But yeah, so the easiest thing is the, the recycling of the resaleable products. I mean, whether you're a plastics manu- uh, manufacturer, whether you produce fiberglass I- items, there, there are companies out there that will recycle that product back into usable raw material, essentially, right? And so that would be the easiest thing. The next thing, which is a slightly harder, is we also have some wastewater that we generate uh, through a, uh, an oven process. We, we, we save that water. We don't dump it into the, uh, into the uh, drain. We actually save it into a container, and then we have a company that comes and picks it up and processes that water the correct way. And last but not least, any trash that's created you know, within the office space, uh, cardboard boxes that we receive, any strapping, that makes its way into a recycling uh, facility as well. You are listening to the Sustainably Circular podcast. This show is dedicated to the circular economy and how with a few key changes, you can help create a more sustainable world. No scare tactics, no shame. If we are going to do this, we need everyone actively engaged, on board, and including you. Your host is no other than Andy Streisfeld, who is the co-founder and partner at MEA Health, Canada's first stop for PPE recycling. You are here for one thing, to better understand the circular economy and your role in it. Every episode, we dive into the key issues around sustainability and the circular economy so that you can lead others in this new world. So tune into the show, turn up the music volume, and let's get to it. Good morning and welcome to the Sustainably Circular podcast, the number one podcast regarding sustainability and circular economy here in Canada and around the world. I'm your host, Andy Streisfeld. Welcome to our show. This is episode one of a three-part episode arc where we're going to be talking about the PPE manufacturing industry in Canada. And uh, part of it is because it is a sustainable issue and it is the crux of the new circular economy. Later on, we'll be talking about a contest from MEA regarding a smart television. And uh, stay tuned for that one to get details on how you might have been the smart television with us. But with us in our studio is Shahid Saeed from Big Nano. Um, I want to have him introduce himself. But at the same time, I also wanted to say that um, for full disclosure, that uh, he is a customer of mine at MEA Health. Although I do not talk uh, business on these podcasts. Uh, I have been in the industry and I have been recycling PPE waste uh, for the past year and a half. The Big Nano and Shahid's group is um, a fantastic partner and is doing the right thing. So Shahid, thanks for being on our show today. I really appreciate you being here. So let's have you first introduce yourself and the company and uh, let's go from there. Sure. Uh, My name is Shahid Saeed. I'm the Chief Operating Officer for the Big Nano Corporation. And uh, really pleased to be joining Andy on this podcast, talking about one of my favorite subjects, recycling. Uh, it removes a lot of stuff from my plant and gives me uh, more real estate to make product. Before we continue, the tradition on this show is I usually start with a quote, and that's usually in the, uh, the preamble of the, of the show. So is there a quote, a saying, a line, something in your life that motivates you, that justifies you being you? Yeah, you know, my father saw a movie one day and then he kind of repeated a quote from that movie to me. And uh, the quote goes something like this. It says, save nothing for the swim back. And what he was trying to explain to me with that was that, you know, give it 100% on every single thing you do. 
block out everything else that might be in your mind and focus on the task at hand and give it your all. And because he just felt that people weren't intelligent enough to accomplish everything they could accomplish unless they gave it a hundred percent. And that was his way of kind of making that point to me when I was in high school. So I don't recall the movie, but I know he stole it from a movie, but that was the quote that kind of stuck with me through my uh, university and the earlier part of my career. All right. No worries. That's great. So, so what our listeners don't know, let's give them a, a quick history. Uh, COVID-19 hit us in January of 2020. I know because I, it was the first time I ever took a vacation in life. And we just came back from Florida and we were at the airport and we heard about what's going on in China. By the time I made it back, I was a medical sales rep. By the time I made it back to the office, uh, we were inundated in Canada with demand for PPE. And then it spiraled out of control until the fact that we didn't have any more PPE fell. And then the, the Canadian government called on Canadian industry. And this, I, I think, is the, the, the part where we start with you, uh, Shahid. So Big Nano was created, I guess, at the time of the big call, or was it created? Can you tell us your, your uh, company history? Yeah, it was created a little bit prior to that. I mean, uh, our founder, uh, John Rollins, the president of Big Nano, he came up with a process which allowed Meltblown to provide the same uh, PFE level, filtration levels, as every mask out there that's considered level three, uh, 98% or above. But his process, which is revolutionary, uh, allows us to create uh, a pressure drop or the amount of pressure needed to breathe through the mask at a very, very low level. Normal masks will allow you to breathe, but they require a certain effort to push the air out and pull the air in. Ours definitely don't allow that. So it kind of switched its way into the market as a, as, a, as a solution for COVID, but that's not exactly what it was created for. I mean, our, our melt blown can be used in, in a variety of filtration processes where pressure drop is critical, especially in uh, HVAC filtration where pressure drop has a direct relationship to how much energy you consume uh, for running a motor versus how long a motor could actually last because if it's working less, naturally it will last longer. So it's a, it's something that was helpful for COVID-19, but it wasn't specifically created for COVID-19. All right. So for those of you who are listening, the, um, the, the crux of, of mask making, for those of you who, who have just survived through COVID and were, con- were concerned, masks are judged on levels, levels one, two, and three. These are um, standards that have been created a long time ago through various different international groups in, in North America, it's ASTM and a respirator, it's NIOSH. And um, when, when Chad is talking about the, the Delta pressure, that's the breathing pressure. Some of you who might have worn a mask in the past would say they had difficulty breathing. It was hard for you to breathe in it. You had to suck in more air. This would be the, the difference in, in the filtration system where you have a level one mask versus level three mask versus an N95 or a KN95 respirator. So respirators being in the highest efficiency and masks being rated one, two, and three with lower efficiency and masks even with no medical rating or grade is the base, the bargain basement of masks in, in the market. So with that said, um, so you, you've created the state-of-the-art technology. You are a leader, uh, and this is, this is a fact, uh, you are a leader in the, in the market. And um, so let's go straight to it. What kind of challenges do, do you face that you think your competitors are facing when it comes to making products and, and being part of the sustainable 
and circular economy. Yeah, so I mean, if 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 I was talking about the circular economy, I mean, it's it's essentially designed to minimize resource input, right, and as well as waste and emissions. And I think one of the simplest way to accomplish that is to recycle whatever products that we produce that are non-saleable. Uh, and when I'm talking about non-saleable, I don't like the word scrap because that, that seems to suggest that it has to go to a landfill. What I'm talking about is the end caps of a roll that we cannot make into a mask. Uh, I'm talking about uh, rolls that we would use for testing purposes. I'm talking about stuff where you have a beginning startup of a machine where the product isn't up to quality standards, so you can't save it. Normally, if there isn't uh, you know, an opportunity to recycle that, those things would make their way into a, into a landfill. And for me, that's just not acceptable. I mean, the whole concept of making masks and making people an environment that's easier to breathe in and then to dirty up the environment by throwing things into a landfill and creating methane gas, you know, which is just incredibly challenging to get out of our environment. It just doesn't make sense. So for me, as far as the circular economy goes, what it means for me is that the facility has to be a zero landfill facility. And one of the biggest things that any manufacturer can do is to take the items that are generated, that are non-saleable, and then find a way to recycle them. And I think that's what we've done here, where the majority of our stuff that's non-saleable, as I mentioned, makes its way into a recycling depot. Right. And and, and I'll, I'll attest to that, that that's exactly what you do with your stuff that gets into the circular economy through a recycler who specializes in like an MEA or like a life cycle revive and they then take it forward to, to make the stuff um, that's needed and then uh, bring it back so it could be reused again. And that's, that's uh, the concept of, of circular economy versus the linear economy. Could you, do, could you tell us, can you share with us maybe one or two, you know, unique processes that are not secret. I don't want to ask you for the secret sauce or anything like that, but maybe one or two processes, business processes that you've done um, at Big Nano that, uh, you know, helps you towards the sustainability and the circular economy. And then maybe other people might uh, say, aha, maybe we should be doing that. Well, yeah. So the easiest thing is the, the recycling of the resaleable products. I mean, whether you're a plastics manu- uh, manufacturer, whether you produce uh, fiberglass I- items, there, there are companies out there that will recycle that product back into usable uh, raw material, essentially. Right. And so that would be the easiest thing. The next thing, which is a slightly harder, is we also have some wastewater that we generate uh, through a uh, an oven process. Uh, we 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 save that water. We don't dump it into the uh, into the uh, drain. We actually save it into a container, and then we have a company that comes and picks it up and process that water the correct way. And last but not least, any trash that's created, you know, within the office space, uh, cardboard boxes that we receive. Uh, any strapping uh, that makes its way into a recycling uh, facility as well. So those are the basics, very simple things that all companies can do. Uh, the easiest thing for most companies, and I know a lot of them out there still do this, is just to pile everything up and throw it in the garbage and be done with it. Uh, but truthfully, it, it's a process for recycling that takes an initial startup time, which you know you develop the process in. But the actual real estate that you use in your company, if anything, is less because you're, you're separating things now and you can, you can arrange to have these things picked up sooner. And in most cases, you're not paying for the pickups, right? With, with uh, trash companies, you know, you fill up a bin, there's a pickup cost, a drop-off cost, a waiting cost. 
with with uh, recycling, there isn't. The company shows up, you load them up, off they go. And if you have enough product that you need the visit to be three, four, or five times a week, then most companies, at least the ones we're dealing with now, are are more than you know more than helpful in providing us with that. Very good. All right, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna switch gears here now, and I know that. Uh, it's presumptuous of me to, to, to consider that my feelings are the same feelings that other people have, but it's interesting because I would like to know because it is something that uh, the listeners always are interested in hearing. So we'll take it away from the business. Now we'll take it to you personally. And, and uh, I'll ask you, um, is there anything that keeps you up at night regarding this situation that we're in right now, this climate emergency that, that we seem not to be treating as seriously as others, like the, the Ukraine crisis or, or with energy crises or other types of crises? Is there, is there something that keeps you up at night? You know, honestly, uh, what keeps me up at night is uh, our inability or our reduced abilities to process CO2 and, and, and you know, more importantly, methane. Methane is a huge, has a huge impact on our environment and the warming effect. In fact, 25% of the warming effect is due to methane. I mean, these are numbers I just studied up on because I, I have a direct responsibility not to contribute to this stuff. And, you know, it's 80 times stronger than CO2 to, to try to remove. So, which means that every time we send something to a landfill and, you know, and if you read up further, there's, there's bacterium known as methogens which are created in landfills that exist in landfills that generate methane gas. And the more you put in the landfill, well, the more methane you're creating. And then to me, that's just completely unacceptable. And it, it, it literally keeps me awake at night because I have children that are going to be going into the workforce soon, grandchildren and so forth and so forth. And if we don't do something about it now, it just becomes a hole that is going to be almost impossible to climb out of. And the numbers are staggering. Like, 1.25 degrees warmer weather in the last 80 years, you know, and it doesn't sound like much 1.25, but it's, it's critical. I mean, our, our, they, they, they suspect that if we get to a 1.5 degree increase, that there will be one year out of every decade where there will be no ice in the North pole. Uh, and, you know, if you think about the rising water levels, if you think about all that cold air rushing in and then followed by warm air, the, the environment would be just un, unlivable the way we're set up right now. Uh, coastal cities would be covered in hundreds of feet of water. You know, they, they, the people would move out and squeeze themselves deeper inland. The ability to provide people with food when possibly 15% of the landmass might be missing. So it's, it's something that really hits home to me because I'm a part of the cycle that creates this. So I need to be a part of the solution as well. All right. So now that leads me to my, my next question, because besides the fact that what keeps you up at night, is there anything that, that leaves you optimistic? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it does. You know, I have a lot of friends who run plants and small companies and so forth. And, you know, we're all committed to this. We, we realize how important it is now. It may not have been 10 years ago or you know, 15 years ago, but we are definitely starting to realize it. And the less we send to the landfills, the less of a battle we're going to have to fight 20 years down the road, 25 years down the road. Uh, that realization is hitting people over the head. The larger corporations have already walked down this path pretty far. Uh, it's some of these smaller companies where 
you know, the heads of the companies wear multiple hats where it becomes a, a challenge to devote time to this kind of thing because so much of your time is devoted into revenue generation, cost reduction, and so forth and so forth. But as managers and as leaders, people are realizing it. I, I see it all the time. So I, I am optimistic that we can get it under control, but it does still keep me awake at night. Is there anything that I'm missing that in, in my questions to you? I know that, you know, I, I generally ask the broader stroke questions to, to get, um, you know, great, uh, great feedback. But is there anything that I'm missing about your industry, about you, about the future? Is there anything that you like to share? Yeah, I think for, for me, I mean, like, like I said, the biggest problem that kind of exists today, and, and, and it kind of counteracts what I just said, uh, you know, a minute ago, which is that, you know, people are starting to realize it. But there's still a lot of folks that that don't get it, you know, that we need to bring, we need to be actively reducing what we send to the landfills, uh, especially on the smaller scale, you know, companies that have 20, 30 employees, they manufacture, I mean, I could give samples, I mean, spoons and forks and things like that. They don't, I don't see them as, as active, but I still see that wave kind of turning. So it's kind of good news, bad news kind of thing. Further down the road, what I, I think the, the challenge is going to be for, for recyclers and everybody else is to deal with the, the myriad of compostable materials that are going to be coming down the path for us. Uh, not just in, you know, not just in the traditional sense, but you know, you're going to see stuff being made with compostable material that's never been made before, I, I believe. And I think recycling that is going to be the next challenge because you know, compostable material could be made from a variety of different sources. And if your source that you're making your material requires a certain input, you know, whether it's, you know, beans or corn oil or whatever, then I think to be able to separate that and keep it separate, that's going to be a real challenge for the companies and for the recyclers or sooner possibly. Okay. So, uh, Sean, this has been fantastic having you on the show. Please stay with us. Hold on a second. All right. And uh, we're going to, we're going to tie this up in just a moment. Uh, again, I wanted to, uh, we're going to have Shahid's information in the uh, the show notes. We're going to have uh, all the information if you want to reach out. Uh, Shahid, what's the best way for people to reach out to you? Uh, email. Best way is email. S-S-A-Y-E-E-D at B-I-G dash N-A-N-O-C-O-R-P dot com. All right. And we'll have that email for you in the show notes. Uh, before we end the show, just want to bring up to everybody's attention that uh, this is part one of a three-part series. Barry Hunt, um, who is the president of Prescient and also the president of the Canadian Association of PPE Manufacturers, is a manufacturer of PPE equipment. He will be episode number two. And Eddie Vega of MEA Health, um, who is the person who recycles everybody's uh, PPE wastes and trims and, and other good products that come out of manufacturing, will be our third uh, guest in the, th- the three-part arc. Now, Eddie is also a bit of a showman himself and has offered up at two medical shows this year, the material, the medical device reprocessing show of Ontario and the Ontario Dental Show, uh, the opportunity to win a Samsung TUV 42-inch smart TV. Now, he's also asked that anybody listening, and you have a chance to tell your friends and tell your family, join the show, come on and listen to any of the episodes send an email to our uh, sustainably circular uh, email, which is info at sustainably circular.ca. You'll have that information written in the show notes to put in your ballot. Um, Eddie will be here in three weeks from now. 
and he'll be drawing on the air the name of the winner. So everyone has an opportunity to win a television. I know he wants to give away an iPad in what? So this is a gift from some of our guests. I um, I don't have budget for our show to give it away, but I'm glad when people uh, like to offer stuff. So in the meantime, please tune into our show. It's on iTunes and Spotify. We also have our website, www.sustainablycircular.ca. You can listen there. We want you to please leave your comments, leave you know, rate us, give us your vote, yay or nay. Tell us if you like us, tell us if you don't, tell us what we need to do in order to make the show a better show for you. And if we're doing things right, if we're doing things wrong. In the meantime, again, I wanted to thank Shahid for being on the show and for Big Nano for what you do for our economy, what you did for us during COVID and what you'll do for us in the future. Thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you, Andy, I appreciate it. All right. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the Sustainably Circular podcast. If you love what you heard, subscribe to the show on whichever podcast platform you're tuning in from. Much like this show, Andy and the team love getting into the good and the bad and everything in between. So feel free to express yourself in the reviews of the show and we will give you a shout out on the next episode. If the episode made you think of someone that needs to hear this message, take a screenshot, send them a message, or discuss it with them over coffee. Leaders are the best givers. And after all, we're all in this together. In case you want to learn more about how we can help you with PPE recycling, please visit our website at www.meahealth.ca. Once again, it's www.meahealth.ca. We appreciate you and can't wait for you to join us for the next episode.